0: I have entitled this morning's message, The Mummy, The Artifact, and The Fox and Socks. (laughs) That this is not a typical sermon will become abundantly clear. In fact, this is technically not a sermon, nor is it a homily. It's not even a little meditation, because my text for today will not be drawn from the Holy Scriptures. The problem is, I'm not entirely clear what genre this will be. It may prove to be more of a fireside chat without the fireplace. Perhaps you might be best off to think of this as a pre-graduation address. For in a commencement speech, one usually challenges the graduates to take what they've done for the past four or five years and go change the world. The premise is, of course, that the graduates have changed. They are not the same people who came in as freshmen, thrashing about in a kettle of ignorance, (laughs) boiling over onto the floor of society so that teachers like me need to mop up the linoleum of civilization. The premise is that the graduate is educated, imbued with a newfound intellect. The college graduate is not only oozing with intelligence, he or she is standing in the slop. This, of course, is the premise of the commencement speech you will someday hear. Today, I wish to address that transformation that is supposed to take place, that change in your life, for, for you as freshmen, will be the premise of the commencement speaker on an evening in May, 2022. But what is that transformation, and how are you to face it? 122 years ago, in 1896, the father of psychology in America, William James, spoke before the Philosophical Club of Yale University. The title of his still famous lecture was, The Will to Believe. A year later, when he was sending his lecture to a publisher, he felt the need to explain why he had spoken of matters of faith to an academic audience. He wrote, academic audiences fed already on science, literature, mathematics, and the like, have a very different need. What they needed, according to James, was the will to believe. Today, I address an audience of the faithful, an audience of believers, and as a counterside to William James, I want to address you, the faithful, on matters other than faith that are important to you. My text for this morning is not a biblical text. Neither is my text from the Apocrypha nor the Pseudepigrapha. My text is not even from the collected works of Shakespeare. Today's text is taken rather from the North Central University catalog. (laughs) Although at first thought this might seem humorous or even a bit outrageous, I assure you of my seriousness. For in the catalog, we read the following vision statement for the university, your university. It reads as follows, North Central University will be recognized as a globally influential university that prepares exemplary Pentecostal leaders and ministers. This concise phrase, prepares exemplary Pentecostal leaders, is the target I want to zero in on this morning. After all, This is the very core of why this place exists. Basically, NCU is here to assist you in becoming educated leaders. But what does it mean to be such a leader? There clearly are many ways to answer that. However, given the goal, let me share a hard saying with you. I realize you may not swallow it, but I sincerely believe this to be the case. Here it is. There's more to being a leader than simply being a spiritual person. You gasp. You're shocked. You're thinking in the back of your mind, I always heard that Brookman was a heretic. (laughs) But let me say it again in another way a life of devotion, a life of following Jesus, a life of prayer, while they are absolutely crucial. These are not necessarily things that are going to make you into an effective leader. That is, there are other dynamics involved in your transformation. Let me read some selected verses from the University Catalog, around which my thoughts for this morning will focus. In a section on the means for actualizing the vision statement, There are eight objectives listed that address this issue of what it takes to move through the matrix of life to the point of becoming a Pentecostal leader. The catalog reads thusly, completion of the academic degree programs make it possible for the student to communicate clearly and effectively within the church and to a world which desperately needs a savior. To relate the present to the past. To demonstrate expanded perceptions of life and refined aesthetic sensibilities. To develop and maintain a practical wellness model for living. To utilize systematic approaches to examine nature and to solve problems. To solve problems in a disciplined, imaginative way through analytical, critical thinking skills. To observe and interpret human behavior to acquire a functional knowledge of the Bible. Today I am just going to focus in on three objectives, to communicate clearly and effectively, to relate the present to the past through an understanding of the historical process, to demonstrate expanded perceptions of life. Well the concluding paragraph in this list of eight objectives reads as follows, as a result. Students should be able to build into their lifestyle and ministry the skills, the knowledge, the attitudes, which will help them make a significant contribution to their generation. They should become flexible, lifelong learners who are curious, adaptive, analytical, literate, morally sensitive, critically appreciative, and theologically literate. That's the kind of leader we want you to be. We want you to be a person who makes a significant contribution to your generation while serving God. This is that transformation, which is the premise of your coming graduation, commencement speech. This morning, I will offer you a couple of metaphors for thinking about your life. And I'm gonna do this by weaving my way through a few autobiographical elements, and hopefully my metaphors will ignite a spark for you thinking about this transformation that is to happen from freshman to graduate in order to set you on your quest to fulfill your potential impact on your generation. The metaphors are, of course, the mummy, the artifact, and the fox in socks part one the mummy one Sunday afternoon when I was six or seven years old I sat down in my living room with my mom and dad and sister to watch an old movie it was the mummy I have an extremely vivid memory of that particular event It was the 1932 black-and-white version starring Boris Karloff. Now, I've seen that movie a number of times since those days, and it's fair to say that it's not really very scary. In fact, it's pretty hokey. You know the storyline. The long-dead mummy comes to life, and he's relentlessly pursuing those on whom the curse has fallen and he walked something like this. Oh, Of course, I suspect that most of you are more familiar with the 1999 film version starring Brendan Fraser. In fact, let's take a look at the trailers for these two movies so that the image of the mummy is etched in your mind. Let's roll that first video. Sold as the city of the dead. called the Lord and help Where the earliest parents were centered in the wealth of Egypt. <laughs> 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 we are these times. something I That's awesome. uh, now while that old movie I saw as a six or seven year old is actually quite laughable today I remember thinking that it was quite horrifying at the time worse than that I became haunted by the stupid thing I remember that for a string of nights I had nightmares with the mummy ever pursuing me at that uh, two-mile-an-hour limp. Well, fortunately, that haunting didn't last very long, maybe only 10 or 12 years, (laughs) and I remember very clearly my mother trying to explain to me that there weren't really mummies who came alive and walked like that, but to this very day I oftentimes check my closet at night just to make sure. Yet the mummy did something else for me. In a very strange way, it was a catalyst for what I am convinced was an innate fascination with the ancient past. Sometime not long after the movie, my parents brought me to the St. Paul Science Museum to see the mummy that was on display there. If we can see the image of the mummy, there we go, there, there he is, so it was that a six- or seven-year-old kid from St. Paul stood there and gazed for the first time into the face of a live, or should I say a real, mummy. In the sense, I was really never the same after that event. Now, it's not as if from that day onward I was totally enraptured by the ancient world. However, that event certainly was an element of transformation within me. It's a little bit like a kernel of seed was activated in me. Much later in life, my mother often remarked that she thought I had some sort of history gene. Well, I don't believe it was a gene. However, I believe my interest in the ancient past was innate, God-given, if you will. I believe that we all have innate, God-given interests and talents. Mine happens to be the ancient past, but yours may be music performance or business or writing short stories or repairing cars or nutrition or law or evangelism or social work or math or, well, you name it. Part two, the artifact. The artifact is a metaphor for the catalyst, whatever it turns out to be for you. It's that thing that will elicit this transformation that you're seeking, the transformation into becoming an educated leader. The artifact is this metaphor to experience the second objective from the North Central University Statement of Mission, spotlighted namely, uh, earlier. Namely, to demonstrate expanded perceptions of life. But what does it mean to expand your perceptions of life? means thinking new thoughts, loosing yourself of stereotypical thinking, opening a closed mind to other frames of reference, digesting and contemplating new information, exploring things about which you know nothing. That's the artifact. It's anything that expands your perception of life. And the image of the tablet is a 4,000-year-old tablet that I began studying as a a college undergraduate. That event, that tablet, that artifact changed my life. My life was transformed as a result of embracing this artifact. It opened up a whole new world to me. That's the artifact. It's anything that expands your perception of life. You need your own artifact. Many agree that in leading a person to Christ, it is a personal testimony that often is the most influential aspect in the process of that person making a life-transforming decision. Allow me to interject a brief personal testimony. I suspect that in our culture, I would generally be perceived as an educated person, although that might only be by the people who don't know me very well. The fact of the matter is, if you get me out of my fields of academic specialization, I can be just as ignorant as anybody. And don't forget that. But one thing I know. My pilgrimage towards becoming an educated person is not finished. Of that I'm delightfully aware. I say delightfully because my pilgrimage is filled with joy. When I hear people speak of education, it often seems to me that this side of the matter, the purely personal side, is not emphasized enough. Namely, the fact that it's, such, it's so much more fun being educated than not. The sheer pleasure of being educated doesn't seem to be stressed enough in our culture. I sincerely pray that during your short stay at North Central, you'll catch the sheer pleasure of learning. If you do, you're going to become a lifelong learner. And if you're a lifelong learner, you're more likely to become an effective leader. The story is told of Basil Gildesleeve of Johns Hopkins University, perhaps the greatest Greek scholar our country has ever produced. He was an old man and had been honored everywhere in Europe and in America, and he had just come back from a celebration in Oxford, and he was asked What compliment he received during his long life had pleased him the most. The question amused him and he laughed over it, but then he thought about it and finally said, I believe it's when one of my students said, Professor, you have so much fun with your own mind. Now, Robert Louis Stevenson said that a person ought to be able to spend two or three hours waiting for a train in a little country station when he or she was all alone and had nothing to read and not be bored for a minute. That's one way you can tell an educated person. They have fun with their mind. Aristotle was famous for knowing everything, yet he taught that the brain exists merely to cool the blood And it's not involved in the process of thinking. However, we know this is true only of certain persons. (laughs) God has given you a great gift, the gift of your mind. But let me repeat a portion of the North Central catalog. Students should be able to build into their lifestyle and ministry the skills, knowledge, and attitudes which will help them make a significant contribution to your generation. If over your tenure at NCU, you can begin to manifest these qualities, you will make that transformation into becoming an effective leader. Part three, the fox in socks. This brings us to the third objective in the college catalog. And the fox in socks is a metaphor to communicate clearly and effectively. In this short video clip, the fox in socks is dialoguing with Knox, a creature of unknown species who lives in a box. Let's uh, just do about 20 seconds of this clip. Fox in socks. Fox. socks, box, Knox, Knox in box. Fox in Sox, not Fox in socks in Fox. That's plain, yeah. Dr. Seuss, yeah, you gotta love him. Who else can take 250 words, rhyme them, and in so doing communicate a lasting message to the audience? The Fox and Sox is designed for children to develop basic communication skills by hearing and reading rhyming words. Here at North Central, Work diligently to communicate clearly and effectively, to build skills and attitudes that will make you a more effective communicator. I have two suggestions, read a lot and write a lot. In this television, iPhone, video game age, those skills are becoming mastered by fewer and fewer college students. If your writing skills are weak, for heaven's sake, write. Write letters. Keep a journal. Write some poetry. I don't write poetry for publication, but I write a little poetry every once in a while because I enjoy it. Airplanes are a great place to write poetry, and my collected works are mostly on the vomit bags of Delta and KLM. course the writing of more than 75 poems in any fiscal year should be punishable by a $500 fine. As for reading, Mark Twain said, the person who doesn't read good books has no advantage over the person who can't read. Now 98.2% of everything Mark Twain ever said is funny, but this isn't so funny, especially if you're the one who doesn't read. It's imperative that you work to communicate clearly and effectively in the written and spoken word. That's why I use the fox and socks for this metaphor. The book is for beginners, novices, people just starting out. There's a huge danger here. There's the danger for all of us to feel too proud to begin at the bottom rung of the ladder, to begin humbly at a modest level. But it's like learning a language. You don't start with third year Greek. You go to class the first day of Greek, not knowing a lick of Greek. But you go to class, you learn the alphabet, you do the exercises, you go to class, you do the exercises, you ask for help, you take advice, you go to class, so on and so forth, and pretty soon you can read a little Greek. Then you keep going, you keep working at it. Many years ago at Harvard, I took a seminar which was offered to the faculty on programming uh, HyperCard on Macintosh computers. And there were about 15 of us in the seminar and I was sitting at a terminal next to an older guy. He obviously had never worked on a Macintosh computer before and throughout the two days of the seminar, he would occasionally lean over and ask me for some help on something pretty fundamental. Well, after the seminar was finished, the director of the computer center at Harvard came up to me and he said, so uh, how does it feel helping a Nobel Prize winner? This old guy I was sitting next to had won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry back in the 1970s. What really impressed me during the seminar was his great attitude. He wasn't too proud to begin at something new and after I found out that he was a Nobel Prize winner the lesson was really driven home to me. Finally, please notice that this wasn't any kind of a how-to address. I've not attempted today to explain in detail how you navigate this transformation into becoming a Pentecostal leader. I have simply set out the concept before you, much like an early explorer, you have to discover the best route. My route was through the ancient past. Your route will be different. Essentially, I worked here because, in some way, I wanted you to make a significant contribution to your generation. And I want you to experience that transformation in your own way. And you can do that. Some days, the individual who is the future leader needs to go to the altar. Whether for confession, or rededication, or intercession, we all know that. We all take that very seriously here at North Central and you know I'm not diminishing that at all. But you know, some days the individual who's going to make a significant contribution to their generation needs to do something else. I want you to respond today to the challenge of becoming that leader. But you're all gonna do it in different ways. Some of you have a writing assignment due tomorrow that you carelessly dashed off. And you're going to respond by carefully rewriting it tonight, seriously striving to communicate more clearly by the written word, checking your spelling, your grammar. Some of you have already in this semester skipped classes simply for no other reason than you didn't feel like going to class. I'm sorry to say that you have squandered some opportunities that many people in the world would long for. However, you're going to respond by not glibly skipping classes anymore. You're going to transform into a person who takes advantage of the great window of opportunity that you hear, have here at North Central. Some of you didn't read a short assignment due tomorrow because you don't perceive yourself as a good reader. Reading seems like a lot of hard work to you. You're going to respond tonight by doing the reading, giving a thought and time. Improving your reading skills. You see, there's a myriad of ways you can respond to the challenge of becoming a lifelong learner who communicates clearly, who can relate the present to the past, who demonstrates expanded perceptions of life in order to make a significant contribution to your generation. So today, as we end chapel, let's pray together as a community of believers that God will Through his spirit, strengthen our individual resolve to work, to become the kind of leaders he wants us to be. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you hear this humble prayer. May your Holy Spirit enable, empower, and entice each one of us to use the innate gifts and interests and the abilities that you've given us in order that we may actualize ourselves into being better able to communicate the good news of your gospel to people around the world. Amen. And finally, tonight, as you turn out the light, settle in for a good night's sleep. Remember, the mummy the artifact and the fox and socks god bless you have a great day you are dismissed